1: Hello,
0: and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market with Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. More information, go to axontire.com. Also, Tractor Zoom delivering insights. If you're looking to find out what's going on in the auction market, go to Tractor Zoom's Iron Comp. It's a great place to see what's happening there. See all the good stuff that's going on. It gives you an opportunity to see what auction values look like. from about 500 different auction houses and it gives you a great opportunity to start tracking those trend lines and see what's happening there so when the market starts to go sideways you are well ahead of it so if you're interested in doing that use moving iron at checkout and you get yourself a nice discount i have sean hackett here from hackett financial and sean's nice enough to come on once a week to talk about what's going on in in the marketplace and he's well rested from his well deserved. Hawaiian vacation, Sean is, is back in, you know, he traded, he went on vacation in Hawaii, and he lives in Boca Raton, Florida. I, I guess you can't get enough of a good thing, right, Sean?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, once a tropical guy, always a tropical I, guy. That's so. right, yeah.
0: <laughs> I vacation in Kansas, that so way I don't have, I, I get the same <laughs> landscape all the time. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Sean, there's plenty of stuff going on right now. There is uh, this, this heat and dryness has really kicked back up in the West, uh, putting a lot of pressure on the cattle markets, and we're starting to see um, some of the residual effects from this long-term drought. Uh, you start looking at what's going on in North and South Dakota, you know, Northern Iowa, Western Minnesota, uh, out here in the Western, um, the Western um, Corn Belt, and uh, it just doesn't feel like there's much relief in sight. We've got about three different crop tours that'll be kicking off I think next week and kind of on through uh, the fall um, of course they're going to go down the I-80 corridor like they always do and if you've driven down I-80 for the most part that corn looks pretty good but once you get north or south of I-80 very far it starts to kind of I don't know what the right word here is but deteriorate rapidly so I guess Sean I guess as you take a look at what's going on here and what's coming down the pike what are your thoughts and what do you see happening out there
1: you know, I, I think we we'll always have to be mindful of what the USDA is capable of saying, given how they operate, versus what the truth may be, ultimately. And um, it's pretty unusual for the USDA to make a large downward revision in August, unless they really have, you know, good reason to do it. Um I don't think they're going to do that in this tomorrow's report. I think they're going to say, you know, yes, the bad is bad. The good is good. It's, we're not quite sure yet. I, I, you know, I don't think they're going to make any major adjustments. I think they'll wait for another month to pass by another month of weather, some of the early harvest results from the South. And then September, sometimes they can start making some downward revision, but they really usually wait till October. Remember, the September and the October reports are the first reports that they do their actual agronomy work to come up with the estimate. Today's, tomorrow's report is still just their best guess. It's not anything having to do with agronomy. Um, so my best guess is they're going to kick the can down the road at least one more month and then look at the agronomy. And maybe we could expect some, maybe a potential for them to actually move yields down, which we think they need to do. So, so for corn, it's, it's either they have to move the yields down to the low 170s, Casey, or they have to move the harvested acres down, and/or both. Meaning, uh, there's so much wasted ground in the in the in the west and the north that isn't going to be harvested. That the harvested acres that they have are millions of acres too high. But they really don't typically get aggressive with moving harvested acres down. You know that they do that begrudgingly. So. Given that idea, we think they're going to be using the yield as the way to get the, the crop production down, and they may move the acres down later in the month, uh, later in the year. So either way, we think the crop's going to get smaller, but we don't think that the USDA or the market's going to kind of get comfortable with that until we get into September, which means there could be some downside potential on speculator liquidation during a time that the market normally heads down during this time of the year. So we just... That's kind of where our thinking is right now. Um, in, unless they throw us a surprise tomorrow, anything is possible, but probably not. Probably not.
0: Okay. You put out a one of your one of your great reports yesterday, and and you were talking about um, basically the same stuff we've been talking about here for a while. But <clears throat> but more more importantly, more of uh, kind of laying out what that looks like. So as we look at the supply that we have right now, I mean, and if if the winner is Works out to be kind of like what we've talked about seeing happen over the winter time, heading into early fall. If we have another early freeze like we did um, last year, where that really that really zapped yields, um, especially out here, really zapped some yields. Um, I guess how because it's there's so much of the world that's involved with this now, right? It, it, the whole world matters now, and typically it the whole world matters anyway, but. Not like it does now, because everybody's kind of in the same tight supply where we're at right now, so I guess talk about that report a little bit and and kind of what you're what you're anticipating moving forward here
1: at the end of the day, how, wh- however the USDA Ouija board plays out, we think at the at the end result's going to be that the u s is not going to materially increase the ending stocks, meaning we think we're going to keep ourselves really, really tight and um, and that means that there's no margin for error for a second year in a row. I mean, there's just no margin for error. We need to have big crops in South America. We need to have big crops in the U.S. next year um, to try to build some of these stocks back. So, so I guess the general view is that when we finally get to the truth later this year, what the yield actually is, or what, you know, what the production really is, the crop production in the U.S. is going to be okay but not great, and ending stocks are going to stay very, very low. And so that's going to keep the market on edge, Casey. And as you know, uh, we're not really expecting fantastic growing weather for, you know, the next uh, six to 12 months in the Northern Hemisphere, and and especially in Argentina this coming growing season. We think there's going to be a lot of difficult adverse weather that's going to cause concern about future production at a time that we just don't have any to sell. And remember, with the wheat market, even though we had um, decent crops here in the U.S., it's still low quality supply is high but the high quality supply of wheat is very very tight so it means that once we get through the harvest period once we get through this typical bearish period that the market you know likes to to be weak that the that the speculators like to sell and and that farmers kind of have to sell off the combine a lot of times you know we, we just think the market's going to be heading it's going to have to put weather premium back into the market once it realizes we really haven't done anything to solve our shortages at all. So
0: yeah, yeah, it's going to be it's going be interesting to see how this plays out because if it if it does continue down, even now they're starting to have some some trend line yield you know estimates of one seventy five. I've seen that thrown around a few times. Um, you know, last year it was one seventy two or True. seven seventy two, right? So, and I've even seen some that were in you know the low. You know, 170, 169, you know, 171. So, um, I think we'll know more about this, like this crop report, when it come or when these crop tours go around. And they come out, we'll we'll see some stuff there. But like like your uh, the heading of your email there on your report was you know the calm before the storm, and you've talked about that a few times as well. Is that this you know this late August through September into October is going to be a great time for some cattle guys to really start positioning themselves yep. in, into some feed situations. So talk about that a little bit what, and kind of what you're anticipating there.
1: Yeah, there's a window here. There's a window where weather's, weather's kind of off the table here. Yeah, we, we have a few more weeks to go, but I think the market is just, it, it, it's made up its mind in the grain markets. I think you know weather is, is, we're kind of moving away from the growing season being weather-driven. And so we have this window of a couple of months where South American weather doesn't really matter until you get to November, December. Um, the Northern Hemisphere weather is kind of winding down. And so, so we have a window where you're just not going to fire up weather scare or weather issues or weather markets or weather concerns. And, and, you know, to feed, for someone to buy a market and to keep buying it, you have to keep feeding them a story, right, a bull story, whether it's Chinese demand or it's hot, dry weather or whatever it is. And it's really hard to give the market that ammunition In the month of September and in the month of October, and so 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 when the market gets bored, it tends just to be the the speculators tend to sell, and so we think that this period of 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 calm, this calm before the storm, is going to be we're going to be looking for corrections, breaks in the market for opportunities for livestock producers to get themselves really fully bought on the feed side, going through next summer and fall when we think prices could be. Peaking at higher prices than we've already seen, um, there's going to be a good window to do that. And um, so, if livestock just does a good job this fall, Casey, and gets his feed purchased correctly uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a more economic level, and if we're correct about the cattle price next year taking off, you know, then 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 they're going to have some, uh, and the milk price taking off, uh, you know, they're going to have some really good margin. You know, they're going to actually do really really well after getting totally kicked in the teeth for the last couple of years. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is the pendulum swings and it's going to be time for the livestock producer to put some equity back in the business. Now the hog guy has got his opportunity. He's been making money. The hog guy's got his opportunity to make money. ASF, you know, kind of pushed, put them in, in the front row first. So they've made a lot of money. They put a lot of equity in, but it's time for the cattle guys to get their day in the sun. So if you're in the cattle business, and you're feeling down. You're feeling depressed. You're feeling like the whole world hates you. I get it, but your time is coming next year, and you you should do really, really well if if you get your your, your feet locked in this fall. And we're going to be doing everything we can to help them do that.
0: So, right um. So that that was the next thing you brought up. I was going to talk about. So ASF has uh, gotten a little more scary. I mean, obviously China's still they're still doing their thing and you don't know for sure what ASF is in China right now, but from every report, it looks like they've got it somewhat under control and then there'll be a flare up and kind of makes you wonder how under control they actually have it. But it has made its way to the Caribbean and that is awful close to the United States. And you kind of watch what's going on in the hog market right now. And you've got to think that that, that ASF is kind of the, you know, the, uh, you know, like on the, uh, Wily Coyote out there, he's got the, the thousand pound <laughs> anvil hanging over his head and, and just, just waiting for it to drop type of thing. So I I, I got to think that the markets kind of have has a little bit of that thought process about ASF right now. And and I guess do, are you feeling that that pressure from that, or do you think that's more of a still in the wait and see phase?
1: Well, the issue is that we've lost a lot of demand demand because they've been flowing their market by liquidating the hog herd there um, because the AF, you know, they force liquidation mode. Now, of course, that's bearish right now, but that's, that'll be bullish in 2022 when they got to buy. You know, when, they, when 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 that dries up and they got to rebuild the herd again, then they're going to be back to a massive shortage again. So it's a yin and a yang. But you know, oh, and and that the 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 black swan event is. We find ASF in the U.S. Right. Oh, my gosh. We found ASF in the U.S. You know, then, obviously, that's catastrophic short-term to the price of the U.S. hog business. And so, you know, you never can say for sure if or when that would happen. But I think a, a realistic person looking at the, how porous <laughs> the U.S. Uh, borders tend to be, um, whether we like it or not, it's probably going to happen. I, you know, pr- almost everyone in the world has gotten ASF but us, so it's, we're probably going to eventually get that. And so with prices still being very attractive, I sure would want to make sure with that hanging over us and ASF getting too close for comfort, I'd sure want to make sure, you know, I didn't wake up one day and it's limit down, limit down, limit down, limit down, limit down on expanded limits because we found ASF and we can't sell our, our pork to anybody, you know? Right. Um, I just don't think that's a good risk for a hog producer to make right now, given that he's been given a very good price for a while, even though the price have corrected some, still a good price. Boy, I sure want to make sure I just took that risk off the table. It may not happen. But if it does, you just as a hog person, you don't want to give all the equity away mm-hmm. that you just put into the business over the last year. It's it's simple risk management. You got to make sure you take that that monkey off the table so it doesn't bite you in the butt. I mean, it's really really important right now to take that risk off the table if you're in the hog business. So,
0: yep, there it is uh, it's a scary time to be a hog farmer because it was for the longest time it was passed so far away don't worry about it, and it's good for us because look look at all the hogs are sending over there now. But now it's getting. Getting closer, and I think if you went and asked any veterinarian you know what they think about a s f they would tell you that it's a matter of you know it's an if not a win um, type of deal so a or, or win, not an if, so it's uh definitely going to be um, something to pay attention to
1: so absolutely and and, and as a, a kind of interesting if that were to happen, it's possible that if the U.S. consumer has an aversion to pork because you know oh, it's it's tainted, I don't want to eat pork anymore. You know, you could get up a windfall no for chicken and beef. Yeah, <laughs> yep. I mean, you could you could see how the chicken and beef market would soar in demand as people just stop eating pork for a while until they see the until the dust settles. So, you know, it would be a wild situation, a wild situation. Um, and I agree with you. I, I think it's. ai don't. I don't think it's. I think it's a. It's just an. When is it going to happen? I think it's not a question. Will it happen? I think yeah. it's going to happen. It's, you know, it's just a question of when does it actually occur? And I just would definitely, as part of my go ongoing risk management plan, make sure that I didn't get caught during the uh, fallout phase not having locked in these prices when I had the opportunity to do it. I just think it's a no-brainer right now to make sure you do that just in case 2022 is the year that ASF decides to show up on U.S. shores. Exactly.
0: So. Yeah. Scary times for sure. Uh, and like yeah. you said, it's it's a risk management thing and and making sure that you have that risk management plan in place is, is very, very important. So, Sean, uh, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about Hackett Financial and how they can take advantage of what you have going there. And what's the best way to do that?
1: Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have interviews, white papers, sample reports um, for everyone to kind of get a good idea of how we look at things to see if the what we do, you know, could be of value to your listeners.
0: Right on. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure to check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're going to find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com. That's where you're going to find the entire library of the Moving Iron Podcast as well as all the blogs I have written. Uh, So check that out. Um, Moving Iron Summit is a... the room block is full um, still might have some opportunity if you 're still interested in coming to that. Uh, reach out to me at moving iron podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com com and I can get you more information about that if you 're still interested in coming um, great there 's a great number of people going to be there sean 's going to be there he 's going to be spreading his uh, his knowledge about uh, what 's coming up this winter and you know it, we, the things you 've talked about so far have been have been right coming up this year you know we 've looked at this. Early planting season, where you know it was perfect conditions and everything was you know gumdrops and candy canes and great, but you no know, rain came after afterwards, um, so that made it a little tough. We've had a hot, dry summer, you talked about that too. On the extreme side, you know, you had extreme heat and extreme dryness in the uh in the northern, in the northwestern part of the United States, and then if you go back down to the southeast part of the United States, they've been they've had a hot summer, but it's been a very wet, hot summer. You I mean, look what's happened in Arkansas with the various flash floods that they've had earlier in the year and what that looked like. So I guess these weather extremes are starting to really kind of unfold here, Sean. So kind of give a, a brief glimpse of what you're going to see here at the 9 Summit when you, when you give your little talk?
1: Well, we're going we're gonna to go over our weather cycles that are part of our natural climate cycle algorithm, Casey, that we've been using for years now to make these longer-term weather projections um, and, and kind of kind of update everyone where all those cycles are and what they really portend for um, you know, the winter season and into next spring and summer, not only for the US, but also as a as a Northern Hemisphere situation. Also talk about what we expect for South America, but the one of the key pillars for what we'll be talking about is the resurgence and the return of La Nina. Uh, we've talked about this all summer that many have said La Nina was dead and it's gone, and we kept saying it's gonna come back. It is about to be triggered here in the next week or two and it looks like it could be one of the strongest La Niña since 1980. And it would be of what they call a Modicai, uh, um construct, which is something that we would be going over, the difference between a normal La Niña and a modecai and, 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 and the differences. And so I, with that and everything else, it's really going to lay out the foundation for why this weather volatility cycle is we feel is actually going to ramp up even more at a time we don't have any stocks we don't yeah. have any food stocks around the world um, and that's that's the biggest issue you know we had some of this weather volatility in 2019 and 2020 we had lots of ability to fill in deficits we filled them in <laughs> right and now we have nothing left to fill in so i guess the point that i'm making is we've had some nice moves in markets casey but if we have if we're correct about more of these weather extremes causing more production problems without any ending stocks, I think one can appreciate that the potential for upside volatility over the next twelve months could be far more severe than what we've already seen. And this is a time that you really, as a producer, as an end user, as anyone involved in the food chain, have to really be clear about your risks and what would happen if Sean's right about this forecast, Um, you know, what would it mean to you if we have $10 or $12 corn? What would that mean? What would it mean if you didn't have access to propane because propane isn't available because of you know, a really, really cold winter or you know the wellheads have shut down for natural gas? I mean, what does that mean for your business if you don't have access to propane? These are just some of the questions, some of the things we're going to be talking about at a very ideal time to be talking about where you still actually can take action to make a difference going forward in your business, um, I think it's going to just be a great, great, t- timely uh, presentation in your meeting. because couldn't have been more ti- uh, you know, better positioned for that kind of discussion. So I hope everyone comes out to watch the other speakers who are going to be going over some great information. But hopefully they come to check us out and um, and hopefully we can kind of, you know, if they have an open mind, you know, some of the stuff as you know, Casey, we talk about is a little bit different. Uh, but it has been very effective um, at giving some pretty good advice
0: yep. so well I planned it that way. I wanted to make sure that I had the meeting at this about the most optimal time we could have it so it's it 's working out well for me my, yeah my, plan, my planning 's paying off so
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> man i tell you what it 's been it 's been a crazy crazy run here we, you know we I had to cancel it twice because of covid and everything else so now it's that's finally happened so it 's going to be it 's going to be a good program, looking forward to it and sean uh, you're Your presentations. If you guys haven't had the chance to check that out, you can go on YouTube and find Sean's stuff. Make sure you check it out there. What is your YouTube channel, by the way, Sean?
1: I actually, I don't know. Don't you, don't you have a place on YouTube that you post stuff? Oh, my, my brother handled all that, and oh, I okay. just really want to watch the YouTube channel.
0: Right on. I'm sure if you go to go to YouTube and, and put in Hackett, Sean Hackett, you can probably find as it. You, yeah. as,
1: as you can tell, I focus on uh, weather and agriculture, not on YouTube channel.
0: <laughs> so just just go to YouTube, put in Sean Hackett, you can find it. I've, I've seen it on there. I know it exists. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I will uh, will say that we just posted a new interview with Real Vision that we do from time to time, as you know, Casey, yep. that we go over some of this information that we just posted to our, our uh, homepage. So, uh, free of, you know, anyone can go, go watch it for free. And, yep. and it, we just did it a couple of weeks ago. So it's a, be a good, um, preamble to what we we'll be talking about in more detail on your, uh, on, on your, uh, Know, on your summit, so. Yep.
0: I'd ask you your social media stuff, but I don't know if you'll know that either. So I might, I might just have to leave it at. at well,
1: I, I will <laughs> say that 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 our, our LinkedIn page is where we put most of our stuff out. That's kind that of that is a good spot about. to go. Yeah. yeah the, the LinkedIn yeah. page is where we try to direct everybody. We we put some stuff on there, an article. So so mm-hmm. that's what we focus on. But apparently, I've not focused much on our, our YouTube channel.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just go to go to seanahacketfinancial and that uh, you'll get you'll get all you need right there. So. <laughs> all, right. all right, Sean, well, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Until uh, next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go smart, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment? Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology.